are tuning in to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. My name is Bree, and you can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for more information, including a link to my website. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Welcome, Namaste. If you couldn't tell, I am so excited about today's episode, Yoga Podcast listeners. I have a special guest. She is phenomenal. Now, before I introduce her, if you are a Spotify listener, you can actually watch today's episode in full-length video, so check that out. And don't forget, today's episode is sponsored by the Lululemon Collective. Check out today's show notes for a link to their website, as well as links to everything that is discussed in today's episode and more information about our special guest. Okay, who is on today's episode? I have talked about her. We have a series of episodes that we'll be publishing in the near future. She is amazing. Her name is Bianca Lily Star. She is the owner of Bianca Lily Ballet. She has just launched, or will soon be launching, I should say, a worldwide online teacher training program for movement specialists, for ballet and dance teachers. And if you are a studio owner, a ballet or dance teacher, or a former ballet dancer, professional, or just love to dance, and you're interested in learning more about what she's doing, All of her information will be linked in today's show notes. This is going to be such an amazing online teacher training program. She has different levels that she is offering for those of you who are interested in getting more education, learning how to specifically train adult ballet dancers And she's going to also be offering really cool nuggets in her training for those of you who are interested in learning more about how to offer more in your studios. So stay tuned for more information about that coming up shortly. She's going to talk about that in today's episode, including in some upcoming episodes that will soon be publishing. And all of that information and links are in the show notes. In addition to that... She is also going to be hosting a webinar coming up soon. She has two different options for those of you around the world online with an amazing trauma-informed specialist. They will be talking about trauma-informed practices for movement specialists, teachers, dancers, yoga teachers. It is one of a kind. I know both of these trainers, these lecturers, these amazing teachers in person, and they are both phenomenal. So stay tuned for more information about that as well. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. Okay, let me tell you a little bit more about Miss Bianca Lily Star. She is an alignment and safe dance specialist, and she has an expertise in teaching adult beginning ballet. She has her master's in dance, her master's in exercise science and nutrition. She is an animal activist, a human, you know, human activist, uh, environmentalist. She is all of these amazing things. She's just 
a phenomenal human and she's just a big walking hug if I haven't already said that. So stay tuned as we will go into much, much more detail. If you are not sure why you're listening to this episode, it is because you are going to learn a lot about how you can be more informed in your teaching style if you are a yoga teacher. If you are not a yoga teacher and you just love to practice yoga, you're going to have a good time listening to today's episode and just learning more about life, (laughs) right? Just yoga off of the mat. So enjoy all of you lovely humans. Thank you for listening. Namaste. Hello, Bianca. I'm so excited to have you here. This is going to be so special for all of my yoga podcast listeners and everyone else who gets to actually view this video and not just hearing it on the podcast. So I have a very special guest, which I've already told you all about if you listened to the previous episode where I was discussing my soon to be infamous ballet teacher, Miss Bianca, Bianca Lily Ballet. Today, she is going to be sharing so many nuggets with us. We don't even know what we're going to talk about. We're just going to have a really good time. And most importantly, the reason why I really wanted the yoga podcast listeners to be involved in this is because there is this amazing just parallel effect that we have as yoga practitioners with dancers. A lot of dancers who are either just love dance or used to dance usually practice yoga. (laughs) You know, it's like repairing your body. There's a lot of similarities. And I don't know if you know this, Bianca, but there is such a heavy influence of dance and gymnastics on yoga because a lot of the Indian gurus went over to Europe and picked up a bunch of things. So, and then they went off to the United States and shared all of this stuff with aristocrats and here we are today. So this is why you wanna hear this because you want to learn more about ballet. And for those of you who are already dancers who happen to listen to yoga podcasts or who practice yoga, this episode is for you. So I'm going to hand this off to Bianca. Bianca, please let all of the listeners and the viewers know who you are, why do you do this? How did you come to do this? And what is the coolest stuff that you want to share with us today about what you have coming up with your life and ballet and how yoga listeners can be super involved in this. So I am turning the floor over to you. (laughs) Welcome. Namaste. Thank you so much. And I want to tell you, uh, this is, this is my first time being on a podcast and it feels extra special because it's your podcast and you're one of my magic fairy princesses who (laughs) waltzed into the studio and I just you're such an effervescent beautiful being that it feels like an extra honor that I get to do this with you so thank you so much for having me such a pleasure to have you in class and such a pleasure to do this with you um yeah so um 
I'm Bianca Lily Starr, and I run Bianca Lily Ballet. And um, for the past 12 years, uh, so I started in 2010 teaching adults. And um, when I first started, everyone said, you have to teach kids. You can't make a living teaching just adults. And I have managed to have an adult exclusive program. And um, that's kind of important, actually. Like, it's it's great to have intergenerational things going on in a studio, but adults are really, particularly because I specialize in teaching adult beginners, like actual beginners, which is something a lot of people say they teach absolute beginners, and I wouldn't mind if they did. But what happens is they teach a class that's that's too difficult. It's difficult for ballet people, dance people to understand exactly the challenges coming in for somebody who didn't grow up dancing. Um, and so a lot of times people will go and try a class that's advertised as being for beginners, and then they'll end up being disappointed or brokenhearted because it's too hard for them and it doesn't work out. So when I started teaching, I started with the idea I called mine ballet for absolute beginner adults, which I see a lot of people have picked up on. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I do want more ballet out there for actual absolute beginner adults, but there's a lot of people who are still not really understanding what's entailed in making that happen. Um, but that's become my specialty and I love doing it. And I've done it here in Albuquerque. I've done it in Paris. I've done it in Berlin. I've done it. I've had been lucky to teach in a variety of places now and um, really kind of sink my teeth into this specialty. And it overlaps with my other area of expertise, which is I'm a safe dance technique um, master expert. Um, so one of the things that I specialize in is how do you make ballet work on different body types? And so I'm very much kind of, I occupy this weird space of loving and appreciating traditional ballet while at the same time, like, well, how do you adapt it and extract what really makes it ballet and marry that with a way that makes it work on people's bodies? Because I think one of the things that gets overlooked is that, um, you know, when you're teaching adults, you're not training someone who has to know Balanchine style ballet and then go audition for the New York City Ballet. So it doesn't make sense. Um, sorry, I'm already like deep in on this. I've got like 10 things I wanted to say. <laughs> but that's like one of my things is like, you know, I mix and match styles based on what's happening in the room and in, in, in the body in front of me. You know, there's no reason that people have to dance in a particular style when they're an adult because you're not preparing them for an audition. So it's how do we make ballet work for this person and how do we give them access to it? And also, you know, I think this ultimately, what I think is that this works because, and I, I think I've said this in class and I've probably said this to you, if everybody thinks of ballet as being the jumps and the turns and on point and all of that, and that stuff is great, you know, the leg up in the ear, awesome, all, all great. But if you just had that and you took out everything else, it wouldn't be ballet. It would just be acrobatics. And so one of the things I try to impress on my students and that I think is important philosophically, if you teach and you want to share dance, is to understand that if you still had beautiful bar, if you had all the port de bras and the musicality and the what we call the apole mall, which is how you carry your head and neck and shoulders, and that person still didn't do point work, if the leg was low, but it was still graceful and the technique was there, it would still be ballet. And um, 
yeah. So that's kind of, you know, and I have like a whole thing about that, like from when I was in Berlin, like, you know, where I felt like, yes, that's, that's true. <laughs> but I feel like I should take a moment in case there's something you want to say. Well, I love this. First of all, I love all of your energy and excitement because this is, this is why I love you. And this is why your students love you. And I want to just make a connection between what you just said. And one of the things that when you're teaching yoga is it's very hard for yoga teachers to teach beginners, right? Because usually by the time they become yoga teachers, they've been practicing for years. They do not remember what it was like to be a beginner. They forget that people don't even know something as simple as get on all fours and tabletop, you know? So it's, it's having to go back to basics and actually relive as a student. And when I was hearing you talk, it totally brought that up for me because I remember when I had to start teaching beginner yoga and I really had to care about how I was going to do it. It wasn't just, you know, let me just come up with a creative sequence and let's throw on some great music and let's just have a good time. It was, no, I want to make sure this person doesn't walk away and never come back, but not quite know why, you know, like something just didn't feel right about that class. I have no clue what it was. I'm just going to assume it was yoga. And I feel like the same thing happens with ballet. And the fact that you are so conscientious of teaching from an absolute beginner foundational perspective, as well as teaching students that Yes, you want to do all of these amazing things with your body, but your body can do amazing things with the most simplistic moves and grace and technique. And you do not have to be at this, like, I don't know what if there's levels in ballet, but I'm just going to make up one, you know, like level five. You don't have to be yeah. at this really intense level to appreciate the art of dance. And there's so many benefits that you're going to, of course, tell us all about. But I just wanted to make that connection because I feel like, you know, people do not realize that simplicity is mm -hmm. so wonderful and it gives us such an opportunity to, I don't know, just want to get up every day, you know, and do things. <laughs> it's like, it's so true. It's true. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, I, speaking to that, I, I've seen a little bit of what you've spoken about here because, you know, I remember going to a yoga class and, you know, seeing a guy in there and he just wasn't, his body wasn't flexible enough to be, he couldn't even get into the positions that were being given. And I saw him there several times. And what I was noticing was he wasn't progressing. So he was coming and he was going through this ritual of like trying to force himself into these positions he wasn't ready for. And I appreciated his dedication, but I realized like, oh, it's it's not actually moving him forward. And I think that's something where, you know, what we've talked about, you know, with the way you teach yoga, the way I teach ballet is that foundation is so critical. And if you don't take the time to set that, it's a missed opportunity in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. You've missed an opportunity to welcome somebody in because adults, like when adult, I, it's probably, I, I imagine it's similar, but adults love a lot of, they like to know what's going on. They want you to explain it. They need the details. They want to repeat it. They want to get it right. So you kind of have to be like real nerdy, <laughs> you know, like, you know, and over, you know, I'm, I'm, when I'm coaching teachers, um, you know, we'll talk about my teacher training. It's like over, if you're, if you feel like you're over explaining, you're probably doing it right. 
like, you know, and also they will progress better. Like when you lay that foundation in very much in my approach, um, you know, I really slow roll the vocabulary. I mean, it's just at the beginning, you know, there's a lot of people have, and I think this is one of the things that, that dance teachers, ballet teachers, and maybe even yoga teachers get hung up on is they have an idea of what a class content is. And what you have to recognize when you have absolute beginners is that they can't start there. You have to work them up to mm. a traditional class format. So for me, for a ballet class, it takes me three months. And you've been through that process, right? It took me three months to get you up to a traditional ballet class format. And what I find is that if I take the time and help my students develop their proprioception and also the psychology that goes with it, because you're trying to get people to engage in doing something difficult. And when people come, you know, particularly when people come to ballet, there's there's pretty much four reasons that people come that I've found over the years. But one of the main ones is people come because they have a dream. They have a dream that they want to dance. And so it takes them courage to come and engage in this thing that there's a lot of vulnerability around. And then to also like, to even put that hope out there. Like that's a lot, you know, I, the very first day of class, like I appreciate people show up scared <laughs> by and large, you know, like it took them courage just to sign up for the first day of the course, you know? And, and so, you know, you have to kind of take your time and help them build the psychological resilience to the challenge that they're engaging in. And there's a lot of ways that we can do that. And, you know, I love like talking about all this nerdy stuff, but if you take the time and you help them develop their foundational awareness, their proprioception, their psychology, and also, you know, build their techniques slowly, little by little, then by the time they get to year two, three, four, six, they're taking off. You can feed them the vocabulary and then they're able to actually do it. Whereas sometimes in the past I've gone to classes for adults and I've see I see people who have been taking ballet for eight years and they're just they're they're making it happen, but they're like flinging themselves across the studio. And then I have these students who, you know, guest teachers come and they look at them. They're like, this person's only had six months. This person's only had three years. Like they look like they've had so much more time because they've had a chance to develop their technique before I just cram a bunch of vocabulary down their throat. I love that, Bianca. And one of the things that really stands out to me is you are teaching in my opinion, I feel like this is your approach. Your approach is you're teaching foundational, you know, awareness, body awareness, um, mind-body connection. And the ballet is something that happens to be a skill set that you're applying to this foundation. So technically, I feel like you can teach a foundation of just how to teach beginners to learn anything. And then, you know, pick pick your thing, right? It, it could be ballet, it could be yoga, it could be painting, but you're first trying to get people very comfortable with accessing a part of themselves that many people haven't done in ages. And in yoga, we like to think of this as accessing from the solar, you know, well, let me back it up a little bit. You're getting to that solar plexus, that self-empowerment place, but you have to feel safe and secure, you have to feel rooted, and you have to feel creative, right? So you have to have opened up your sacral chakra. And, you know, I might be getting a little esoteric here, but it's the same thing because technically people have been very much ignoring 
the the juices that get them flowing i mean when you're a child it's very easy to access creativity right because everyone's just offering it to you all of the time but as you begin to age and you get older and you kind of put your dreams aside and your hobbies are you know now washing dishes or whatever right <laughs> it's <laughs> it's really amazing because i feel like you have completely understood that there's a place where people get to in life and a lot of that has just been completely tucked away and you spend a, a good amount of time just getting people comfortable with asking questions again, with exploring their bodies. I know for me being in the process and seeing it firsthand, I mean, I've been going through your process and just watching how you've worked with these amazing humans who now can call themselves dancers for almost a year. And I feel like most of it, you mentioned psychology, but most of it was really just getting people feeling okay with accepting that they're going to be learning something instead of feeling like they should already know something. And so I want you to touch on that a little bit more. And, and I feel like that story of Berlin has something to do with um, <laughs> why maybe you are so specialized in this space, but let me know what, what got you to this place and, and why do you think you teach from this, this understanding? So I, I think there were uh, uh, probably several aha moments. And I think that one of the things, so I, you know, I am like anyone who uh, has come along to teach anything, like I am molded and informed by the people who taught me. And so when I think of the people who have been the most influential in, in teaching me to teach and, and to dance and be a mover in the world and various and sundry things, number one on the list is Christina Noel Adcock. You haven't heard of her, but she's the person you should have heard of in the ballet world that you've never heard of. And she operates out of Denver and we can share her story in a few minutes. So phenomenal. But I remember, you know, like she informed so much of, of who I am as a dancer and as a dance teacher. And Eric Franklin, who's just amazing at teaching somatics, and um, Finus Young, who was one of the first people to really start looking at footage of, of really spectacular dancers and saying, all right, we're teaching XYZ, but when I look at this footage, I see ABC. Yeah, like, and really breaking down like, okay, how are these really great dancers actually doing what they do? Because a lot of the times when somebody does something very naturally, they don't know, they can't tell you. You ask them like, how do you do that triple pirouette? And they're like, I don't know, I just do it, right? Or they might say some stuff, but what they're telling you doesn't match what they're actually doing. So um, I will say that I started, uh, I at once upon a time, I went to, um, a ballet teacher training that Finus Young had in New York City. And um, probably actually the most valuable experience I had was I stayed an extra day and I attended his Monday night class. And I went to the class and there were all these adult learners in there. And afterwards I went down to the locker rooms and some of the women were in the locker room. And I said, you know, I'm here, I'm visiting because I took the teacher training and I was wondering if I could ask you some questions. And uh, several of them were saying, sure, they were very gracious about it. And I said, well, you know, don't you find the class like too slow, too boring? 
And one of the women I knew, like the look on her face, she was like, no, no, not at all. It's like a meditation for me, you know? And she started gushing about it. And I just had this like bling, like light bulb moment of like, oh, they don't feel their bodies the way that I do. So having like this realization that like, you know, I grew up on what was essentially a professional track dance career, you know, sort of some, you know, some of some people went professional, other people didn't. Um, we can talk about that. Um, but, you know, as a teenager, you know, I started when I was seven. I was dancing during performance season, probably almost 30 hours a week. Um, so it was no joke, you know, like when you train for ballet, you train to become a professional at a very young age. Um, and so, you know, I just now, you know, I have a master's in exercise and nutrition science now and, and um, you know, also a master's in dance. I wouldn't say that's where I learned these things, but I understand and can speak scientifically about like, I just have a different level of neural integration from people who didn't grow up with this. And so, you know, in that moment in New York City, I just had this understanding of like, oh, you don't feel your body the same way. Aha, I get it. <laughs> you know, and then I was able to put together the pieces of like, okay, how do you get someone along that track? How do you progress them so that they start to grow in that way and develop that somatic awareness? Um, you know, speaking about the Berlin story, that was simply like another moment of, of feeling that this thing that I'd sensed for a long time was really true, which is this idea of, you know, you can be any age and have ballet because it's ultimately it's about technique and grace. And, um, I had the opportunity to go and, and live and dance in, in Berlin for a while. And um, I, you know, I tried to do the polite thing and I went to the recreational class and I spoke to the, after the class, I asked the instructor, um, Edwin, who was lovely, uh, very popular instructor, uh, former principal dancer, you know, amazing guy. And I said, do you think I could come to the professional pickup class? And he, he nodded like, yes, yes, absolutely. And I was like, so honored, you know, so I took and you know, in Berlin, they have government subsidized dance studios. So these dance studios were like, you could pay a lower rate and just go to professional pickup class. And so I did and I show up and, you know, I'm, I think at the time I was probably the oldest person in the room by about 15 years, which in the normal world's not a big gap maybe, but in the dance world, yeah, you know, more substantial, you know, and I walk in and I, and, you know, I mean, you know this for me, like I'm not a bunhead at all, uh, which is why I'm always kind of delighted when sometimes we have this great mishmash of people in the studio and some of them are bunheads and many of them are not and everybody is so loving with each other. Um, but that's not me at all. So no one ever clocks me as I walk in the studio. You know, I'm 5'2 and um, I walk in and, you know, they look at me and they they just don't even think like, oh, she's here for serious ballet. She must be a contemporary dancer. I learned that when I was in Berlin. I look <laughs> like a contemporary dancer with the crazy hair and the big earrings and the baggy clothes, right? So I come in and, um, you know, I can't lift my head, my leg up to hit myself in the forehead. I'm not doing quadruple pirouettes. But as soon as I was on the bar, like no one gave me a second glance. And then I started to have these relationships with these young dancers in the room. And there was this real moment of affirmation because in ballet classes, um, as you know now, but many of your listeners may not, um, there's a whole series of different segments of class and there's a center segment of class and everybody goes into lines. And 
usually the real badasses put themselves at the front just because after a while, you know, people who are willing to step to the front, you know, and if you're training and you're competing and you want to be noticed in an audition, you know, you're going to try and put yourself out there. And so we were in three or four lines and this gap opened up in the front line between these two young Latin American dancers, these two guys. And, you know, I was in the second line back and they both kind of looked at the gap between them and then look back at me and we're like, they moved their shoulders and like shrugged, like waved at me, like, come up. And I was like, oh, me? Yeah. And I, it was, it was just this real affirmation in that moment. Like, this is it that I can take this back to my students. Like technique holds up. Like none of these people care that I can't hold my leg as high in the air as they do, you know? Like they see the technique and they're like, oh, she knows what she's doing. It might just be a single pirouette, but she knows, you know? And I think you could probably relate that to yoga. I'm sure there's some extreme positions that, you know, some people maybe just, it doesn't work for their body anymore or just never did, but you respect them because what they do within the discipline, they do really well. And it shows that they know what they're doing, that they belong there. I love that. I love that your personal experience is what made you really start to rewire how you wanted to go about teaching the discipline. One of the things that I feel like I really heard you say is essentially, even though there's this very particular way to teach ballet or, or you know, ballet is very structured, let's put it that way you were still going to very much so focus on how to apply that back to the body of the dancer, your student, instead of trying to apply the human to the actual discipline. And in yoga, that is something because people don't realize this, but yoga was not female friendly, right? So it was created for 14-year-old, very skinny, lanky, flexible, East Indian boys. And, you know, and then later after that, it was for, you know, people who wanted to perform in the circus and did other like street performances. And it took, it took a lot of different loops to get to the place where we kind of look at it as a moving meditative practice now. Not saying that it hasn't always had some connection to that, but it's sort of been morphed into something new. And there's disciplines under the big umbrella of yoga that are very much, um, it doesn't matter what your body looks like. It doesn't matter how flexible or not you are. Your goal is to put your body into those positions, right? Very acrobatic, the way that you were describing. And right. so something that we've all been trying to really focus on is not on what you see on social media, right? The, the amazing Instagram things, or like you were saying, the leg up by the ear, although that's admirable, the majority of humans aren't able to do that. And especially those who are doing things as adults, right? Even if you were a professional dancer or you were a gymnast or all of these things, now there might be a different purpose for doing something. And that's going to segue into not getting injured. <laughs> like why ruin your adult career as um, you know, a weekend warrior dancer because you're trying to do something that's just not accessible at this time in your life, even if it was 15, 10, five years ago 
or before you were, you know, pregnant or before you got that running injury or whatever the case may be. So I know that you specialize, as you were mentioning, you specialize in body movement and mechanics in general that you have applied to the discipline of ballet. So could you talk a little bit more about that? And, and what is it that you do that you feel other teachers in ballet or just in dance in general haven't yet caught on to that you think is so important for adult dancers, whether they're absolute beginners or just coming back to the practice or the discipline of dance again? Sure. I think a lot of the safe dance principles that apply for adults also apply to kids. We have an, an unfortunate legacy of breaking a lot of bodies and a lot of hearts in ballet training. I am certain you have listeners who are former dancers who got their hearts and their bodies or both broken in the process because people tend to teach so much by rote and um, there's a lot of dance teachers out there that are, again, trying to, you know, they, it, this isn't a situation where you go and you select kids who have the right body type to do a specific style. And then you teach nothing but kids with that body type. Like people take kids in and then they try to force these positions on them. And then unfortunately, there's a little bit of an education gap, you know, and, and a lot of people, it's not their fault. Some people really go out and make an effort to learn and, and take extra workshops. But there's a lot of people who just teach the class that they were taught, and they don't understand the mechanics of external rotation and how to activate those muscles and then line up that alignment to prevent injuries. Um, so how can they teach it? You know, uh, if you don't know it on yourself, how are you going to teach it to somebody else? Um, you know, at least you know, in some term, some way, theoretically. So this is another thing where um, I got lucky, you know, I, the school I went to, we grew up with muscle and bone charts. We had basic anatomy charts on the walls and we were learning basic anatomy as dance students at 10 years old. And this was in the nineties. This was now becoming more of a thing. And again, this is one of those um, for ballet people, um, Christina Noel Adcock is the Maggie Black of her generation. It's just that nobody knows it. Um, again, she was like the lead and she she runs the dance program at an art center in, in Denver where I studied myself. And, you know, she wasn't my only teacher, but she was my most profound teacher. And, um, you know, I, I tell this story to you. <laughs> my, my, I told it to you and I tell it to all my students on the first day they come to dance with me because I, I you know, you want to know more about your teacher and it's good to pass on the important parts of the legacy that we have. And um, Christina was a third generation ballerina. She grew up um, in a dance household. Her grandmother was the prima ballerina for the Brussels Opera. And despite all of that, when she came of age to dance in the late 70s, early 80s, everyone said, you're too short, you're too muscly, you're too dark to dance professionally. You'll never make it. Because she's also part Chinese, part Inca. Um, and she was 5'2", or 5'1", actually, shorter than me. And she was, again, kind of muscly for that time that, you know, everyone wanted, this is kind of just fresh off of Balanchine. Everyone wanted these really long, super bony dancers. And she was not willing to accept that. There's this part of her that's a rebel. And she was like, 
watch me. And she went West and she had a 15 year career ending as principal ballerina for the Colorado uh, opera or sorry, Colorado ballet. Um, so, you know, I remember hearing that as a kid, just once she told that story and it went like so deep in like, you know, and, and I just remember being like, so offended. Like I, I must've been like in middle school or something. Cause she didn't, you didn't get Christina as a teacher until you were a certain level. So I was probably like 10 years, nine, 11 years old before I started studying with her. And I remember hearing that story once and just being like, oh, how dare they, you know, um, because she's just extraordinary. Um, and I think the reason I tell that story is because what it shows is she's this person again, who marries tradition and everything that's beautiful in the tradition of ballet with the newest understandings of how do we bring in the anatomy, the physiology and everything else to make this better. And so the fact that she was a rebel and kind of served her in the dance room because she comes in and you'll get to take with her in February. I'm so excited for you to meet her. But she didn't care if something had been taught that way for 300 years. If it was hurting her students or not getting the right results, she threw it out and came up with something else. And she was always wanting to learn more and find out what she could from physical therapists and apply it in class. And so I learned from her, you know, I really learned from her to like, look at the student in front of you. And then, you know, what I tell, <laughs> I'm, I'm also a nerd. So what I sometimes tell other people is like, well, ballet, it's just, it's physics and anatomy. And if you put those things together right, you're going to lower your injury rating. So I'm like all about, you know, the warm up and the stretching and the strength bear training. But at the end of the day, alignment, alignment, alignment. <laughs> it's fundamental. And like I tell you on the first day, you got to do it. If, if, if you can only do it tiny, that's fine. Do it tiny and correct. And then eventually it'll be large and correct. But if you do it big and incorrect because your body can't hold that alignment, that placement, it's not ready for it. It's not strong enough. It's not flexible enough. You're just going to hurt yourself, you know? So there's a lot of different aspects. There's a lot of components. Um, I'm going to do an, an adult beginner ballet teacher training. Um, we're going to launch it this spring and I'm going to have a, like one of our weeks is going to be safe dance technique because there are going to be people who are going to get stuff in that week and be like, oh yeah, I already knew about that. I understood how to, you know, explain to my students how to rotate the femurs and line up the knees with the toes and everything. But there's a lot of people teaching dance who don't know what a psoas is, who like don't really understand certain components of, you know, because they were taught a certain way, they were taught like taught to kind of just torque things and kind of force their body into positions. And it hasn't occurred to them that there's a different approach. And, you know, if you get good at that, if you get that knowledge and you start applying it, you can, you can see that injury rating, just like plummet, you know, Christina has very low attrition due to injury. We have very low attrition due to injury. Um, it's possible in kids, it's possible in adults, you know, she's trained people who went on to become professional ballet dancers and Broadway dancers. Um, you know, I, I can't speak to that myself, but I, I have guest taught some company classes and helped some dancers realign themselves in ways that made them much more comfortable, much more effective. And they also looked much better. So this idea that like, you can't do ballet in a way that's beautiful without hurting yourself. It's totally, it's garbage. It's so not true. <laughs> it's not true. And there's ways that it can be done, you know? Yeah. I love that. Um, I do have to kind of share a little bit of why I personally 
think my experience and being at Bianca Ballet, Bianca Lily Ballet Studio, and I kept saying B Studios, but it's Studio B, right? Yeah, it's just a location designator. <laughs> I love it though. <laughs> These things matter to me. So previous to meeting you, I've taken dance classes and I like to do like jazz drop-ins and I did like a stint as, you know, like a professional NFL dancer and never did I feel that, um, I mean, I love to dance because most most people who are inclined to music and dance just love to do it. It's just, it's just fun and it's exciting. But I never actually thought of it as being healing and meditative and all of these things until I started working with you. And I think part of it is because I already do that sort of thing in my life, right? But a lot of it's you. So one of the coolest things that I love about you, Bianca, is that you actually bring in meditation into the studio. You're very yogi-like. Um, I have to share with everybody. So this past summer, we did this big adult ballet production, this big theater show. It was really amazing. There were people aged from, I don't know what, like 20 to grandparent age <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> and there was everything I mean we had you know people on points people who were not on points I mean it was just like everything that you could ever imagine and before our performances Bianca had us meditate and for someone who's a yoga teacher and someone who just loves dance from deep within my soul it's like you know, something in a past life, I swear, you know, I was definitely a ballerina, okay? <laughs> but without um, a doubt, <laughs> without a doubt, somewhere, somewhere in a past life. But when you are working with someone who allows you to connect to your like spiritual side by way of dance, you know, it's, it's so healing and there's something about it working with you, Bianca. And this is something that I feel is just inherent to you as a person. And I know you're going to infuse that into your teacher training program because that's just who you are. You make people feel comfortable. You make them feel safe and you create sacred space. And I've had the pleasure of like becoming friends with a lot of your students. And some of the neatest things that I've heard people tell me was that working with you, coming to your studio, they, they no longer have anxiety. They no longer have, you know, this social anxiety of claustrophobia. They no longer feel disconnected from their bodies. They are, you know, at first they were, they were intimidated by some of those feelings, right? Because it's a process, but once they went through it in the way that you organize your beginner program, it's really um, encourages your students to stay within the program from anywhere between six to 12 weeks and then beyond. So there's this feeling of committing to yourself, committing to your experience and your learning and such, I think just palatable dosages, you're able to every week see progress, but also you're not making so many leaps that you feel insecure about the progress you're making. And so this healing effect sort of just shows up. Just one day you're like, whoa, you know, I didn't even realize 
that this was so um, addicting and not only because we all love dance and we all wanted to do dance, but ballet is not, you know, for the week, right? So there's this way that you, I feel like you just sort of thread through the fabric of teaching that you forget how complex this art is. And then one day you just realized that it was so much more than your love of dance. It was like your love of self, <laughs> you know, it becomes like this introspective practice. And then you're in this community that's so inviting, which you mentioned earlier, which you facilitate. And I feel like your teacher training is so much more than just how are we going to break down, you know, these movements so that adults can learn it? Yes, that's a huge part of it, right? Because that's what it is. It's a training. But it's also, how are we going to create sacred space and facilitate community and give these adults a new place to make friends? I mean, we don't just go around making friends anymore, right? And especially post-pandemic. So what is it about... Yeah this type of environment that you feel you can pass along to other teachers who wish to learn how to facilitate not only an absolute beginner ballet program, which is important, but how to do it in a way that facilitates and fosters friendships and love and peace and all of these things that we need and we don't even realize we need until we're you know, six weeks into yeah. the program and we're like, wow, I didn't even know that this could be so loving and, and wonderful. So do you do that intentionally or are you just amazing? <laughs> Thank you for those really incredible, lovely things you said. Um, and I, I do, it is true. People have, it's, I've had a lot of people come to me over the years and come up to me and talk to me about what a transformative experience it's been for them. Um, and I have several things that have come to mind. I think, you know, at the end of my first year, once I thought like, okay, I have an idea and I, you know, I'm going to pull together the stuff from Christina and find this young and I'm going to teach the six week course. And I got to the end of the year and I had these people who were like addicted to class, right? Which is what, you know, <laughs> this is what dance studios want. So like, you know, just from a business perspective, like you want people who are like, I have to go to my ballet class, you know? <laughs> like, and it was like that, you know, like people kind of would panic a little bit if I was like, oh, we might close for this many, you know, two weeks over the holidays. I was like, what? but what if I need class, you know? And I, I had this realization that there were a few things going on. Um, one being that, you know, I, I think this isn't too much of a, um, st stroke of master genius. I think it's obvious to most people, but we live in a society where we don't get to be human beings. Like we get pulled out of it into technology, into the chaos of modern lives, you know, all the demands of work and family. So there's not a lot of space for people to actually be a person with this body and be in this body and just be, you know, the whole point of mindfulness is like to be doing the thing you're doing right now, you know, to be here right now. And our whole lives are not structured for that which is why we have to do stuff like meditation and yoga and uh, hopefully dance, right? So I was giving people a chance to be in their bodies. I was giving them a chance to be so consumed by what they were doing, they didn't have room in their brain for something else. I was giving people 
interpersonal contact, which we'll talk about in a moment. And then the other thing that I realized that probably hadn't occurred to people, but that I thought was really powerful is that, um, you know, and I, I'm kind of during COVID, I did less of this. So now I'm getting back into it, but being an alignment person, like I give a lot of tactile feedback and we talk about on the first day, you know, and I make sure that people know they can opt out, but I go around and I make physical contact with my students and I make a point to touch every student once in every class. At least that was at the time, everybody gets, you know, was going to get some tactile feedback. And I thought to myself, I might be the only person that they touch in their whole week for some of these people. And psychologically, like they know from studies, like people need like physical, positive physical contact, safe contact with other people on a subconscious level, like we, we crave it. And so I thought, okay, we're, we're getting a lot of things done for people in the pretense of, of a ballet class. The interpersonal piece, that part is kind of, that is me in ballet. <laughs> Like, ballet classes are typically not social affairs. They tend to be, we've, we've got some problems in ballet culture. So on the worst end of the spectrum, they are cold, competitive, toxic environments. On the less toxic end of the spectrum, you just don't talk and you don't meet anyone unless it's before or after class and you don't know the names of the people on the bar next to you maybe after months of going and talking before and after class a little bit you might know someone's name but it's totally normal to walk into a ballet class not say a word to another person the teacher is the only person who talks and by the time you leave you've the only reason you would know what someone's name is maybe the teacher said it and um i'm a i'm a ballet like, like many people, I'm a ballet world reject, but I also, I mean, like, I'm so ballet, but I'm so not, like, I'm not, a, like we talked about, I'm not a tutu bunhead, you know, and um, I am a raging extrovert, and um, I'm not sure that I ever, just, I just, I just was like, we, we can't have that. <laughs> we can't have that. So I have um, chatty ballet classes, which some people on the surface might think that means that we're not really doing ballet, but one of our studio mottos is that we, we take our dancing seriously, we don't take ourselves seriously. And getting people to engage with one another, that's part of getting them to also feel comfortable asking questions, that's part of helping them learn. So, I mean, there's going to be a whole segment of this, uh, like, I'm really excited to talk about this, actually, and, and I've got, like, a whole segment of this in our teacher training, because it is so important, and it's so different from what we're taught a ballet class is supposed to be but it's crucial you know because what people need uh this day and age is connection to their bodies connection to this moment in time connection to themselves and connection to the other people they're in the room with and you've got to bring that in because if you don't do that then you know like of course of course ballet is dominated by a certain you know certain demographics of people you know, um, because those are the people who who feel like ballet was made for them. And, you know, like, of course, they can do it. Maybe most people who are adult ballet students, they actually danced as kids, you know. So if you want people to be able to do a hard thing, you got to bring this piece in. In my opinion, I think it's part of what makes our program special, you know. Um, but I try to teach the class I would want to take. And in the class that I want to take, there's there's laughing and humor and um, friends. Oh my goodness. So 
One of the things that I want everyone to really understand is that Bianca is sharing her secret sauce. <laughs> she is sharing her secret sauce. She has been running a very successful program here where we live, brick and mortar. And she wants to share this secret sauce to teachers, to those who manage these studios, to those who are wanting to develop these programs, who have tried and maybe haven't succeeded, or it's just not what they were thinking it was going to be, or they're only attracting, you know, that, that age where that student didn't become a professional, right? So they're still somewhere between like 18 and 22. I mean, Bianca has students in her studio, you know, that identify as male, female, who are well into, what would you say, Bianca, is your oldest age student? Oh, that would be 70s. Um, yeah, Look we at have that. students. Yeah, we have, we have a healthy, a healthy spread across the age groups in terms of representation. And I think also people are sometimes a little surprised by just the different types of walks of life people come from. Like, yeah. I've had surgeons, I've had nurses, I've had yoga teachers, I've had retired cops twice <laughs> like who got way into it um you know i've got a construction guy i've had a welder i've you know like so we get this real cross section of people uh which i think is really exciting and and part of the fun um you know and i i think one of the things that um it's one of the things other people envy about the program and you know i mean i i think you know i've been thinking about doing this teacher training for a few years i i you know and I probably should have started it a few years ago, but there was part of me that was like, I, I, I don't know if it was my self-confidence, but everywhere I went when I would travel and I, you know, I always throw myself in and go and take class and I've taken classes all over the country um, on two different continents now in different cities and towns and big cities. And I just constantly see people making the same mistakes when they teach mm -hmm. adults and they're things that can be fixed. And, you know, I mean, the larger picture that I don't know that it's going to, that I'm going to have a, a role in is some of these things are things that need to be fixed in the ballet world at large. Even if you step away from teaching adult students who are going to be hobby dancers, there are things about the ballet world that can be fixed and we can still have fabulous ballet. Like this idea that we have to put people through a meat grinder and that's the only way to create elite dancers, that's gotta go. And, um, you know, I could get on that soapbox and you know, I do sometimes in class. No, <laughs> I love this because- periodically. I mean, Bianca, the, the truth is, is that everyone's fed up with the status quo. I feel like these last couple of years, we're just tired. We're all tired of it. We're tired of seeing it. We're tired of admiring it. We're tired of trying to live up to it. You know, no one even wants to have to dress up to go to the office anymore. It's like everyone's tired of the pretentious right. life. <laughs> you yes. Know? Yes. No to pretentious art, you know, and, you know, I occupy this weird little binary like dichotomy thing <laughs> where on one side, you know, because I don't think anyone should just go around and, you know, I don't think anyone can just go around and say like, I'm a quote unquote ballet dancer, right? Because it means something to attain a certain level of elite. Like you've got to really work for that, you know, that 10,000 hours thing that, you know, that talent is work thing, like that is a thing on its own. It deserves its respect. 
that being said, all of my students I know like understand and love the idea that they can be ballet students and that they can be people who practice ballet, practitioners yeah. of ballet, if you will, right? Yeah. You know, and so I think that's one of the things it's like, I'm one of, I have this really strange like place where these two things collide because usually people hop onto one of these boats and it's either, well, either you're a quote unquote dancer or you're not. And then the other side of that is like, well, everyone's a dancer. And like, I think, you know, now that you've started on this path, like what it means to be an elite ballet dancer is like a whole other thing. Like not everybody can do that and not everybody you know, does the work to get there, even if they have the talent, like you can understand the complex, it's one of the most complex, challenging activities on the planet. So I don't think it's fair to just take it away and say, well, all dancers are exactly the same. And everyone's a dancer. Like, that's not exactly true either. We wouldn't, you know, someone who we call someone a surgeon, because they they did the work and they developed the skill set. And they deserve that notoriety, because we're asking them to do something very specific at a very high level of skill. So I think we can, I'm one of those in this weird place where I'm like, yes, I think we should and can acknowledge that while at the same time saying, at the same time, let's let everybody have the part of dance that's right for them. Let's everybody let everybody enjoy it and participate it and take them seriously. You know, like that's another thing that I think that makes me different from some of the people who teach ballet to adults is that I, you know, I was in Germany before class. We're all stretching and doing our own little routines, you know, and sometimes people are talking to one another before class starts. And I overhear because everyone in everyone in Berlin speaks English. <laughs> like, and so so I'm sitting there and I'm rolling something out and I hear these two dancers talking. And one of them was saying like, oh, yes, I'm teaching an adult ballet class. And the other young woman said oh that sounds fun and she said well it's not really ballet like we pretend to do ballet and I didn't say anything but I immediately like my hackles were up because I was like no teach them <laughs> teach them real ballet and maybe that means you're just teaching tondus right now and plies and then like port de bras but that's still real ballet and you should take them seriously you know because just because they're not going to be you know an etoile at the Paris Opera Ballet doesn't mean that you shouldn't give them like proper real instruction on what the real intricacies of this art form are. I Sorry, love did that. Did I go on a tangent too much there? No I actually think it's perfect because what I heard and how I know that this has affected the students that are actually doing it is there is a huge difference between being an elite athlete, right? I mean, I ran a marathon, but I would never say that I'm like an elite marathon runner doing the Olympics, but Olympian, that's yeah. right. But that doesn't mean that I'm not um, having this beautiful experience of being able to be connected to the fact that my legs can do this, right? And I feel like what makes an art so amazing for those of us who love to just go through a gallery or love to go see a theater show is the fact that we understand that there's an elite process that has taken place, right? But in order for that art form to continue to prosper, especially in this modern time, is to get people invested in what it means to be elite. And the only way that you will understand is if you try it and then you realize that there is a huge spectrum. And maybe you're at this end of the spectrum and the elite athletes over here. But I know for me, I appreciate 
many more art forms because I have been able to participate as a student or practitioner in those areas. And I feel like you're offering that to the general public and those who are running studios and maybe they are very focused on, you know, having a group of 30 students and hoping that 1% of those students becomes a professional. But at the same time, I know that people who are running studios, they also want to connect to their community. They want to offer these programs. They want to have from a business perspective, as you mentioned, they want to have this other, you know, this other channel for lack of a better word, right? I mean, it's not always about the income, but it's about just the growth you know, and being able to bring that to the community. These people are going to be the people that sustain this art form and sustain those studios in a lot of ways. So there's so many reasons why you should want to have an adult program within your studio, even if your focus is on pre-professional. I think it's fair. And let's not forget that ballet teaches us many things that have nothing to do with just going and performing, right? I mean, we're learning posture, we are, we're correcting postural issues. We are getting confidence and we are becoming more graceful. And I know for me, I've just been strolling through the grocer and I've had people say, were you a former dancer? And I'm like, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, you know, so just go be dancers everywhere you go. Be my walking billboards. Uh <laughs> I will say this. I mean, obviously I've seen you dance and you're incredible, but my my experience of enjoying your class a lot of times is when I'm not in class and I'm and I'm just I'm moving my head, I'm just pointing at something. And it has completely informed my teaching of yoga. You should see Bianca. When I teach yoga classes now, I, I now have swan swan arms when I'm doing like, <laughs> but, and I, I now try to teach my yoga students to come in and out of their postures with grace, you know, mm -hmm. try to connect with their body in more of a flowy way, which is very much something that we can all do, right? We can quit clunking around and, mm -hmm. and just kind of stroll around a little bit more. And I feel like, you know, if you're a yoga, uh, excuse me, if you're a yoga teacher, if you are a dance teacher and ballet is that foundation to all of these other disciplines of dance, I think this teacher training program is going to be so magnificent to help you to even reconsider how you utilize your vocabulary, how you inform your students on what they, you know, should really be focusing on and, and what to bring awareness to, and also maybe to just inspire you, the teacher. I mean, teachers sometimes don't take time to be students again, and this is going to give them a great opportunity to revisit some of those things or learn new things. And I also want to point out to all of you who are watching or listening that Bianca is going to be doing a very special webinar on trauma-informed movement before she launches the teacher training program spring 2023. She'll be doing this really awesome webinar or masterclass or you know, however it's going to end up being defined. And she's going to have a speaker on that's going to co- um, lead this, Girl, yeah. this amazing mm -hmm. program. I want to have you back on this podcast though, prior to that. So we can really talk about that because yoga teachers, dance teachers, 
moms, dads, school teachers, you know, psychologists, social workers, this program, this webinar is going to be easily accessible to you. And it is going to be something that I feel like all of us should take, even if it's just to learn about trauma-informed practices. I know for me, I've taken a lot of trauma-informed programs and trainings and things of that nature. And there were things that I just didn't ever consider, whether it was my language or, you know, having someone's back up against like an, an entry or exit door might make them feel really paranoid about that. I mean, there's just so many things, even just asking someone to close their eyes can be triggering. So, um, and I'm speaking on behalf of like from a yogic perspective, and I'm so excited to know how you all are going to really incorporate this beautiful training, but we're going to come back and talk more about that on another episode. I am going to have Bianca on several more episodes because this woman is also a nutritionist. She is a vegan. She is an animal rights activist. I mean, she is saving the world. <laughs> one one moment, one little dancer, one little human, one little animal at a time. And she is so aligned with my philosophy, my personal belief system. And I know many of you who follow my work are already super into all of these things. And if you are listening or watching this message today, this was for you. And if you're not into dancing ballet or you haven't even thought about it, this is really for you because perhaps in the city that you live in, there is a studio that needs to take this training and needs to invite adults like you who love yoga into a program that I promise you is going to rival that mind-body connection that you get from a yogic practice. It is probably my favorite thing to do. And you know, sorry, yoga, I'm cheating on you, but I just can't imagine not, not dancing ballet or not, you know, being at the bar, you know, meet you at the bar and especially not having a teacher like Bianca. So the fact that she's going to share her secret recipe of love and dance with those who are willing to expand and grow and the things that they love and share more of that with their following, I just think is incredible. And I know that this was your destiny to share this because the hearts that you've touched and all of us and myself, I know that this message needs to continue to prosper and go out into the ether. So I am so honored and excited to have you here and to do all these episodes with you, to be a part of your studio and to watch this amazing program change lives because I really believe that it's beyond just dance, right? It's, it's truly connecting back to something that like I mentioned at the beginning, it's awakening of, of your yourself in ways that you might not even realize you need it until you do it. So I wanna end with you, Bianca. What, are, what is anything you wanna say? You're coming back for many more episodes. So don't worry, don't fret. We're gonna have plenty more time and she has plenty more to say. So that's, that's also awesome. So how would you like to conclude today's episode, Miss Bianca Lily Star? 
Thank you so much again for all of your enthusiasm and your warmth and um, compliments and just being you. And, um, you know, for anyone who made it this far, thank you, because I feel like I was kind of scattered, but um, I love this stuff and I'm excited about it. And I just, you know, I want more people to have it and I can't teach everybody. So this is the next step. <laughs> so it's, and it's uh, an exciting evolution to be to have an opportunity to to work on these things with you and um yeah i think that's let's just make a make a better ballet world for for everybody um and just and you know make a better world <laughs> <laughs> i love it so you can check out the show notes i'll have a link to miss bianca's website Stay tuned because we are going to be rolling out tons of information about this upcoming program. You have plenty of time to learn more about it, to consider it, to tell your friends, tell your ballet teachers, tell your studio managers all about this. And Miss Bianca is going to have some really cool early bird specials coming up as well, which I will be rolling out to all of my platforms. So don't worry. Check out the show notes. We'll have plenty of information coming up. And Bianca, we will see you on the next episode. Thank you. <laughs> I love you. I will see you in class, in live and in person. Sorry, don't be jealous, everyone. It's just the way it is. And for the rest of us, we will see you soon here in the ether. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Have a beautiful evening. Go in peace. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs>just finished listening to a brand new episode of yoga podcast did you know i started recording back in 2018 with almost 500 episodes hundreds of those free audio yoga classes i am so honored to guide you on your personal practice on and off of the mat check out my website lovebreezybreeyoga.com a link in the show notes will be provided along with lots of amazing information for your practice. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste.